0: Welcome to Pioneering Today with me, Melissa K. Norris, where I inspire your faith and your pioneer roots. I show you how to grow your own food, heirloom gardening, how to preserve your food at home, and modern homesteading. Tune in every other Friday as I share proven strategies that anyone can do to live the pioneer lifestyle. Make sure to head over to melissaknorris.com and subscribe to receive free Pioneering Today articles and updates. I am really excited to talk to you guys on the topic of seed saving. Saving your garden seed is something that my family has been doing for. Kind of as far back as I can figure, about a hundred years. Um, you know, I know my my parents did it, my grandparents did it, my great grandparents did it. So probably, honestly, <laughs> a lot farther back. But near as I can tell, um, the strain of green bean seed that we have been saving has been about a hundred years. So seed saving is something that really gets me excited, and is one of the reasons that we grow an all heirloom seed garden. And you know. The awesome thing about seed saving, well, there's a lot of things, (laughs) but probably um, one of my favorite reasons is because you only incur your cost once if you're seed saving. So if you have to buy your seeds to begin with, if you don't know somebody that already does seed saving and um, you don't get some seed that way or hasn't been passed down to you, is to purchase heirloom garden seed. And so you can look on any um, packets of seed that you see at the grocery store, and if they're heirloom, they will say heirloom. If they don't have heirloom on the package, then they're not heirloom and they're not viable for seed saving. Um, There's lots of places online that you can get them, probably my favorite favorite and where I order to get some different varieties of things that I don't have here or don't have access to is um, Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds and that's at rareseeds.com. So I've ordered um, through them uh, lots of times for a number of years now and I've always been really happy with the results. So seed saving is just the the ultimate as far as I'm concerned on being prepared and self-reliant. And having an old-fashioned, true pioneer-type garden. Um, You know, in in the pioneer days, they didn't have seed catalogs to order from like we do. They didn't have, um, you know, huge displays of seeds at the grocery store um, and, you know, their big box centers, that kind of a thing. And so taking their garden seed when they, you know, when they moved and were migrating um, was huge because they knew that that's how they were going to feed their family. And so that's one of the reasons that I love seed saving is because um, I know that should something happen and I can't get to, you know, um, to get more seed, I know how to save the seed. I've been saving the seed and I'll be able to grow food for my family every year. Um, And plus it's free. You know, I don't have any gardening costs coming out as far as, um, you know, buying seeds. So that can cut down a lot because if you're putting in a large garden and you're buying all your seed every year, um, you know, that can add up. So, it's, you know, for self-reliance, for frugal purposes. And then, of course, there's taste. Um, heirloom seeds have not been made or adjusted for just crop yield and the look of the crop. So you get taste that it, you cannot get from things that aren't heirloom. Like an heirloom tomato ripened on the vine. Oh, my gosh. The flavor is Amazing. Um, And there's so many varieties with heirloom. In fact, I have, um, if you're curious on what the the real difference between um, heirloom hybrid and GMO seeds are, how to avoid them, the difference when hybrids first came into existence and why, and all the differences, um, you can check out my earlier podcast, which was all on um, heirloom, um, intro to heirloom garden seed. And you can find that at com. Click on the podcast button and then you'll go down the um, episodes and you'll see that one there. And so that really goes into the history and and all of that stuff to give you more information on heirloom um, garden seed. And I also have a free um, ebook actually. It's... um, Heirloom Gardening Guide, Planting to Save Money. And so that's a free ebook when you sign up um, at com for my newsletter. And I also have a ultimate home food preservation guide as well. So those are all free too. And you can just go to melissaknorris.com freebies and sign up and snag and get your copies of those as well. So those that has further information in it as well. So for seed saving um, basics, when you seed save, um, the most, one of the most important things is you, you do have to start out with an heirloom variety. Um, if you're not sure if yours is an heirloom variety, if you know the name, um, you can just Google it and it'll pop up and it'll tell you if it's an heirloom or not. So like if it's a Kentucky wonder bean, um, that's an heirloom variety. And so you can put that in and you'll be able to see if it's an heirloom variety. So if you know the, the, the um, the, you know, the exact name of what you have planted and you don't know if it's heirloom. Go ahead and just pop that into Google and you'll find out if it's hybrid or if it's heirloom. Now, if it's hybrid, you can't save the seed. I'm so sorry. You can't. Um, You can try and save the seed um, and you can try planting it next year. Um, I actually had, um, I did a one time we had, um, this was before I knew all about heirloom seeds and I had planted some hybrid zucchini actually. Um, We've always had our own um, bean seed, but I didn't have um seed passed down to me on some of the different squashes so I had planted a zucchini that was a hybrid and one of the squash had gotten caught in a hard frost. And so we just left it out in the garden and it, you know, rotted over winter and got plowed back under the next spring. And so it was one of the, my very first zucchini that came up and it came up in a weird spot and I knew it was a volunteer. So if you have something that comes up, you didn't plant, it's called a volunteer. And so it came up and it was one of the first to ripen because it actually had came up before I had planted our other zucchini as well. And so I was really excited. It was this gorgeous, big old zucchini and I brought it in the house to cook and it was inedible. Um, It was very, very bitter. Um, I don't care. I I couldn't pretty it up in a cake. It didn't matter what I did with it. It was just horrible. And so we ended up just culling the plants and, and tossing it out. And so what happens is if you try to plant hybrid seed, one, most of the time it's sterile and it won't come up. If it does come up, it's not going to be true to form, which is what happened with this. So it's not going to be like the plant that you saved it from is what that means. So it will either be extremely um, gross in taste um, or the what does grow will be very um, stunted and it won't do very well. Um, and then, of course, you won't be able to save the seed from that plant again. So you really can't um, seed save from hybrids. Um, and there's more explanations in that at the uh, com under the podcast button on the um, heirloom introduction to heirloom gardening and heirloom seeds. Um, so you can you can go there to get, find out more about that. So with seed saving, you need to start out with an heirloom um, seed. So that's first and foremost. And today I really wanted to talk about. We're going to be talking about seed saving um, tomato seed, which requires a process of fermenting to save that seed. And then I'm going to be talking about saving um, your bean and your pea seeds today. Um, And so when you're saving your your bean seed in any seed, you need to make sure that you let the what you're going to be saving the seed from. It needs to over ripen. So, you want the seed to be more ripe than you would if you were harvesting it to eat, so you wanted to let it get really past the point of maturity um, and mean that's important so that the seed inside one is big enough to save, and then two, it has everything in it so it's going to be a really healthy and viable seed and make a really good plant when it, um, when it germinates and grows for you when you plant it the next year. So you want it to let it get overripe and really large and mature, and for beans. Um, What's awesome about saving your bean seed and your tomato seed are, and these are pretty much self-pollinating plants, so you don't have to worry about cross-pollination, about your plants mixing. So beans are self-pollinating and generally... Speaking, they're not going to be crossing with other beans in your garden. So when you seed save them every year, you don't have to worry about that. Um, However, if you plant two varieties of like a white bean together side by side, there may be a little bit of cross crossing that happens, even though they're mainly self pollinating. So if you're going to plant two types of beans together, my recommendation would be to separate them by at least a couple rows or put them at opposite ends of the garden so that you don't get cross pollination happening so that the bean stays um, true and just like itself year after year. Um, and so when you're saving your bean seed, um, let it get really overripe on the vine. So what happens is, is you have, you know, your regular bean at the point of eating. So you can, you know, snap it if it's a green bean, which is what we do with ours, Tar Hill, um, pull green beans. And then you can let it mature to the point where you can shell it out. And those are called shellies and those are the shelled beans. So the inside of the bean that you're eating and not the pod, but for seed bean, you want it to get really mature on the vine. So it's going, the the outside of the, the pod, which would normally be the green bean, is going to turn a yellowish white color and it's going to start to shrivel up. And then the inside, the beans are going to be really large and you'll see them, um, you know, bumpy bump, bump nods, um, through the white part of the pod and you want it to get really dry so that the pod part is actually dry. Now, if you, it's a, at the end of the garden season and a, like a big rainstorm's moving in or you're not going to have a super hard frost, you can pull up your vines and hang them like from, um, under a covered porch or in a garage, a protected area for a couple of weeks to let them finish out drying and maturing if they're not quite there yet. Um, otherwise we just let ours go out on the vine. And so once they've reached that point where they're really, you know, shriveled up and they've, you know, turned, then you just bring them, bring them in. And there's a couple different ways that you can do this. Um, I usually just hand shell out those beans and the, inside the bean, after you shell it out, um, it should be um, preferably nice and hard. um, So you can take your fingernail and press it against the bean. And if it doesn't make a mark, then you know that it's it's nice and dry. And so after I shell them out, and especially if, um, you know, it's been just a really wet season and they're not quite all the way dry yet on the vine, and I've had to bring them in due to weather, um, lay them out on like a rimmed cookie sheet and let them continue to dry. And so if they're not hard, you know, to the when you put your finger down on them, if you can make a nick in them, then they need to continue drying. So just shell them out, put them on a tray and let them continue to dry. Now, it's important. So it's very important when you're drying your, your seed, any kind of garden seed, you don't ever dry it in direct sunlight. So don't put it outside in direct sunlight or near a window that has direct sunlight, because if your seed gets over 90, 95 degrees or hotter, then um, it starts to destroy the seed and you're not going to have as good as germination rate. Your plants aren't going to come up and it's going to ruin the seed essentially. And if you live in a really high humidity area and you're worried, you know, it's really moist, um, you can put a fan on low and let that blow on the, where you have the seeds drying. And then you're going to want to, especially in the first couple days um, when you put the seed out, if it's still a little bit moist, make sure that you stir it. Um, and that you, when you put the seeds on the tray, you don't want them touching. We want as much air circulating around the seed as possible to let it dry as quickly as we can. So you want to, and then, um, you know, it's really going to depend on how wet the seed is when you first start to dry it. You know, sometimes just a couple days, my seed is dry enough to go ahead and store. And then there's been some times where I've had, you know, a tray that's needed to sit out for a couple months. So you're, you know, it's going to be a trial and in, Trial and and not error, but just leave air on the side of leaving it out longer. It's not not gonna hurt it. So once it's dry, I prefer storing my seed in glass jars. So I just use my mason jars, and I put the seed in the mason jar after I'm totally sure that it's all dry, and then I store it in the dark in a in a cool spot. You don't want to you know wet, but in a cool spot. And so um, that's how I store our bean seed. You can put them in plastic bags if you have to, um, and some people you know put them like in little paper envelopes that you get. Um, I just prefer the glass jars. And then another way that you can save the bean seed if you are running out of time um, is sometimes if the, the vine is super, super dry or they've gotten really dry inside the pod. Um, my dad, a lot of times, will just pull his up when they're really dry, the whole plant's really dry, and he'll just put them like in a five-gallon bucket and he doesn't shell them out until it's, he goes to plant um, and just stores them like in their, in your back um, in the like um, laundry room. Um, if you do that, you do need to check it periodically throughout the year, though, to make sure that there wasn't some moisture in there and it's not starting to rot. Um, so that would be my one caveat if you tr- decide to go that route that you need to make sure. Um, and so and then I, I've I'll, now some people like to store their bean seed after it's shelled in the freezer. Um, a couple, Sometimes people like to put their seed in the freezer for a um, because if they think that there's any, you know, pests or, or bugs or anything like that on it, that it would kill them, which that, that is true. Um, but if you put them in the freezer and then something happens, say your power goes out for an extended period of time, um, you know, or, or just some huge natural disaster, if your seed has been s- stored in the freezer um one, you there's a chance of you introducing moisture to it. So if you have to bring it out before you're ready to plant, um, it can get moisture in it. And of course if it gets moisture in it, then it's gonna start to rot and then your seed's not gonna be any good. And then two, a lot of people like to keep it in the freezer to plant in the spring because then when they plant it, um the seed is going from really cold and then it gets really warm. And so a lot of people think that it they germinate and they grow faster. Um we tried I tried it one year with a small portion of our seed to see if I could tell the difference. And the seed that I had stored in the freezer and then I planted, um, none of it came up, actually. It all kind of rotted in the ground. Now, it could have been that I planted a little bit too earlier. It was just extra wet out. Um, I didn't have good luck with that method, so I don't use it. But other people really like that method. Um, my one caveat would be not to put all of your seed in the freezer. Like I said, in case there's a huge power outage and um, your seed gets damaged, then I, I wouldn't Um, I wouldn't put all of my eggs in one basket, so to speak, that way. Um, So that's a few of the different ways that you can seed save. And beans. bean seed, honestly, is the easiest to save. Um, There's not a whole lot that that needs to really be done. So um, it's super easy. And then I had um, our reader question of the week was actually on saving peas. And so peas, because they're growing in a pod, very similar to beans, are saved in the exact same way. Let them fully mature on the vine inside the pea pod, um, and to get really overripe. And then you just shell them out, um, and let them dry on a, you know, a, um, cookie sheet. Or if you have a really like high gloss, large plate or platter, you can put them on that. Um, but you, you don't want to put them on, um, you know, like paper or that kind of thing. Some people use coffee filters, but I don't want my seeds having to stick to stuff and then have to try and peel it off or, um, you know, get get wet and then start to mold. So I like to put mine just on a rimmed cookie sheet um, or a glass plate is how I dry all of our seed. So the second seed that I want to talk about saving is tomato seed. So tomatoes are another great candidate for seed saving because they are, for the most part, self-pollinating. So we're not worrying about the cross-pollination. Now, saving tomato seeds is a little bit more involved than saving bean or pea seed um, because it requires um, fermentation. So this is also true of cucumbers as well. So the reason, there's a few different reasons actually that you need to ferment tomato seeds. And one is because, Tomato seed, because they are inside such a wet environment, because the inside of tomatoes is usually quite wet and moist, is they have a special gel coating around the seed that prevents it from sprouting and growing when it's inside the tomato on the vine. So we need to ferment it to break down in a way that layer so that when we go to plant the seed ourselves, that it can break through that and it will germinate and sprout, and then the second reason that we need to ferment tomato seed is because sometimes seeds, especially those in the wet environments, can have um, seed, bor- seed diseases or seed um, bacteria on them that can inhibit the growth of the seed or can introduce um, stuff to the plant once it grows from that seed. So the process of fermentation kills that as well. So there's a couple of reasons that we ferment the seed. And so if you think about it in nature, um, you know, you, you have a tomato ripening on the vine and the um, same principle anytime we're se- seed saving is you want whatever you're saving the seed from to let it get overripe, almost point, past the point of eating um, overripe. And so if you had out in nature, you know, your tomato bush, then the tomatoes that got overripe would fall to the ground and they would start to rot. And so once they were rotted, then that seed would fall into the ground and then come back up um, to form a new plant. And so we're basically doing that exact same thing just in a controlled environment so that we can plant it when our season allows. So you're going to pick um, an overripe, past the point of tomato, and you're going to cut it um, down the center and then inside where you see all the little lovely seeds, either use your hand or a spoon and scoop out just the inside of the seeds with that water g- gelatinous mass around it. And we're going to put it in a clean glass jar. Um, you can use a mason jar. I actually prefer to use the um, phyto jars that, ha- and then I take off the rim, the rubber gasket that's on those phyto jars. You know, they have the um, lid that's on a metal hinge and it has the little locking lever I use that and I just take out take off the rubber gasket when I'm doing it because when you are fermenting um, seeds they just does need air and oxygen so put your tomato seeds in your glass jar um, if you don't have a jar that already has a lid on it that will let air in you can um, put cheesecloth over it or you can also put plastic wrap on it and poke a, some holes in it um, and then secure it on top there and so you're gonna put that in your glass jar and you're gonna put it um, I just left mine on the kitchen counter and it's going to ferment. And so mine fermented in three days, um, but it's going to depend. um, Sometimes it has to set up to five days. And so what you do is um, once a day, you're going to open it up and let fresh oxygen in, and then you're going to stir it. Um, And then you're going to put the lid right back on. So I'm going to close mine or you're going to put on new plastic wrap, make sure it has holes in it and that kind of a thing. And so when it starts to ferment, you'll see, um, sometimes you'll see little bubbles and then you'll, actually this is the goal. So don't let it gross you out, but you want to start to see some mold growing on it. And that means that it's fermenting, that that it's rotting. So um, once the entire, first you'll see, you know, little bits of mold just growing on little spots. But the goal is to see mold cover the entire top of the tomato um, tomato seeds that you have saved, and you'll also start to see water kind of leak out from around it. You'll, the water, it'll, what happens is the gel starts to separate, and so you'll have the watery part will separate from the gelatinous mess. So then you'll check for mold growing on top, and you want mold to grow all the way across it. And the reason that I prefer the phyto jar is because it's rotting. And it can kind of get smelly, quite honestly. So if you don't have a jar with a glass lid that will still allow air in, um, you might want to put it out in the garage um, or somewhere where it's still protected, but you don't smell it. You might not want to keep it on your kitchen counter. So depending upon where you live and how warm it is and how fast it starts to ferment, um, mine took three days. It can take up to five days. So after it's all covered in mold, then you're going to um, put the tomato seed. If you're using your glass jar, I just ran fresh water on top of mine. And what happens is, is you will see all the mold and all the bits will float up to the top. And then all the viable seeds will stay down on the bottom. So if you have any hollow seeds or seeds that aren't good, then they're going to float up to the top. So you want to try and um, pour without losing it down the sink, the icky stuff off top, and then you'll put fresh water in and you'll just keep doing that until the seeds are totally rinsed clean and have separated. So then I take the seeds after I've done and washed them all off. And sometimes if there's a little bit that's sticking to them, you just use your fingers and kind of rub it through it. And then you'll get that. And so um, then I take um, a fine mesh um, metal sieve and I put my seeds in that and I rinse them again to make sure I have all the bits off and it's just the seeds left. And then I take an absorbent towel and um, just, you know, pat them dry with that absorbent towel on the bottom and top. And then... You take your tomato seeds and then one, one thing you do need to watch out for. If you let them ferment too long, then the seeds will start to sprout. And if you find some seeds that have started to sprout, then you have two options. Either plant them right now and have your tomato crop start all over again Or you're just going to have to throw them out. Um, They're not a good candidate to seed save anymore if they've already started to sprout. So if you let them go a little bit too long and they're a little bit too warm, too far in the fermentation process, just cull the seeds if any of them are starting to sprout. Um, I Actually had two that looked like they were starting to sprout. And so I just tossed them out just to be on the safe side. And so then you're going to put them on either like a really high glass ceramic plate and tomato seeds are quite smaller than bean seeds. So you can usually put a lot more on one thing or again, like a rimmed cookie sheet. Um, and so you put them on that. And then the first couple hours, because you have rinsed them, um, you're going to want to stir them the first day that you put them out. You're going to want to stir them. So you're going to want to separate them up and make sure that air is getting to all areas, especially the part of the seed that's laying flat. So just use your fingers and kind of stir them around and make sure none of them are touching so that the air can get all the way around them. And again, you want to make sure that you're putting them in an area that doesn't get 95 degrees or hotter. So not in direct sunlight, um, you know, not by a window or area that's going to get really, really hot. And so you're going to, um, put them and let them start to dry. And so you can stir them. And again, if your humidity level is super high, you can put just a regular fan on low. Um, but be careful because your tomato seeds are so small that they might blow around, um, once they start to get dry. So you're going to want to keep an eye on them. And so, um, I stir mine the first day that I'm drying the tomato seeds. I kind of stir them just kind of whenever I walk by. And then after that, I just kind of stir them once a day. And so, um, Again, depending on the humidity level and how wet they were when you first started to dry them, um, you know, it can take anywhere from a week, uh, you know, to a month for them to get fully dry. And so you'll just want to check them. And then, when, um, same thing, when they're really dry and brittle, and when you push on the seed with your fingernail, you don't want to see it leaving like a crease or a dent. Um, and you want to always err on the side of, Overdry dry before you put your seeds into storage um, because if there is any moisture in the seed when you put it in storage mold will grow and it can you know ruin the whole batch that you have saved and then um, with tomato seeds because most of us grow than more than one kind of tomato um, which is awesome as far as seed saving because I can I have um, two varieties of tomatoes out in the um, our off-grid greenhouse right now which in the pacific northwest I kind of have to have my tomatoes under some kind of plastic cover. Otherwise they just get blight um, because typically we have so much rain. And so that's the only way I've been able to have a good tomato crop and yield um, is to keep them covered. So I have them growing side by side and because they don't cross pollinate, I don't have to worry about that when I'm seed saving. So I just love that about tomatoes and beans. So if you're brand new to seed saving, I would recommend starting with beans and tomatoes because they're definitely the easiest to seed save. Um, But be sure that you label what kind of seed it is you're saving. So if you're saving a couple different kinds of tomato seeds, make sure that you keep them in two different jars when you're fermenting and that you label it. And then when you're drying it, that you label which tray is which seed. And then when you go to store it, again, that you label. <laughs> you can just use a little piece of masking tape and just write it on there and stick it on the jar and then just transfer that from, you know, fermenting jar to tray seed tray and then to the final storage. Um, so you just want to make sure that you do that. And so um, then I had another reader question, and this was on how to seed save with cucumbers. Now, cucumbers, which we don't have time to get into all of this today, and if you haven't done it already for the year in terms of seed saving, then um, it's too late because it has to be done in the beginning. But... Cucumbers will cross-pollinate with other um, summer squash and cucumber families. So if you planted more than one type of cucumber or if your neighbor's garden is close to yours, then they've probably cross-pollinated. So what that means is they won't stay the exact same variety. They might start to show traits of the other plant that they pollinated with. So this can be a good thing. You might like it better. It can be a bad thing and so um but cucumbers are like tomatoes the seed needs to ferment so let it get really overripe cut the cucumber open and scoop out the seeds and then actually with the cucumber seeds is you're going to want to add about the same amount of water as volume of seeds to the glass jar that you let them ferment in and you're going to let them fer- ferment for um you know as once you see um mold starting to grow, then they ferment fermented enough and the same thing will happen. The viable seeds will sink to the bottom and then the empty seed cases will float to the top. And then you're going to rinse them the same way and then dry them um, the same way to plant for next year. Now, one awesome thing about seed saving, and this is something that you really need to um, be aware of and pay attention to, is whenever you're seed saving, you only want to save seeds from the best plant. So being a gardener is great because we can tell... You know, say you have 10 tomato plants and one of them really produces a lot more than the other one, then you want a seed save from that plant. Or say a plant has, um, it just shows signs of disease or it really struggles, Um, you don't want a seed save from that plant. So we are selectively picking the very best. Or say one, you notice that one plant just seems to have a lot better flavor than the other plants, then you're going to want a seed save from that plant. So you're always going to want to seed save from the healthiest plant um, that has the best flavor and per, and performs the best in your garden. So eventually you're going to get plants that are really attuned to your area and are going to give you the best yield and that are your favorite. So seed saving really, as you as the gardener, allows you to tailor your garden to your preferences and your growing area. It's just I find it's so amazing to me how God created uh, nature and our food source um, and how it provides for us year after year and just to see his hand and the incredible design of it. I just, when I'm out in the garden with the seed saving, I'm just always amazed at how he created it all together to work um, for our benefit. It's just beautiful. And so, um, you know, when you're seed saving, you want to keep all of those things in mind. Um, And you also want to make sure that you save seed from more than one plant. Um, You don't ever want to have seed that's just from one plant every year because um, by nature, tomatoes and bean seed are um, um, inbred anyways because they're self-pollinators. But always make sure that you save from, a, from a, you know, at least, um, you know, five different plants. Of course, not any that show any signs of disease or whatever, but you want to make sure that you have a good um, variety and that you can keep your strain healthy. And you do that by making sure that you save from multiple plants, not just one. And so, um, for seed saving, um, I hope that you start to seed save and I hope that you're introduced to heirloom seeds. So if you have um, any questions that I didn't answer or you have any questions further on the process, I'd love to have comments. And of course, we always do the reader question of the week, um, which this week was on saving peas and cucumbers. Um, so please leave a comment um, in the comment section or um, you can send me an email. All of my contact information is on the website, but it's also melissa at MelissaKanoris.com. Um, and then, of course, on our Facebook page, I have readers asking questions all the time. And then, um, you know, we have a lot of experience, um, different gardeners and stuff on there. And so I love hearing people pop in. Um, and share their tips as well. And if you have a family strain of heirloom seed that your family has been saving for years, I would love to hear about it. One of my other favorite things about heirloom seeds is hearing the stories behind the seeds and how they were saved and how they've been cultivated uh, for all of these years. I just love to hear about that and some of the rare more rare um, seeds that you don't see and you get to hear about. So um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you get to saving your heirloom garden seed. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to pioneering today. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes and make sure to head over to melissaknorris.com to subscribe for free modern homesteading updates to help you live the simple life.